Hello and welcome back to another episode of Boys Gone Wild. This is sort of a impromptu episode I decided to do uh, just to sort of, I don't know, um, log how I'm feeling uh, and sort of discuss and kind of work through some of the thoughts we've been having about the kind of crazy news day we've had uh, with the announcement of the European Super League. I understand if you don't like football, that probably sounds incredibly baffling and boring but uh I don't know I feel I do think unlike many big changes in foot sports or something you're interested in I do think what's gone on here has much wider implications for other things that's sort of what I want to talk about um but yeah it's just been a crazy news day that's just added to the sort of endless barrage of surreal news there was the today NASA has launched the has landed the first uh, airborne flight helicopter in Mars, which is the first time, basically, they've had some sort of aircraft in another world, okay? That's huge news. That's basically the most advanced step we've taken in Mars, and no one gives a fuck. That's how big this Super League thing has been. Someone's fucking flown a plane around the gravity, gravity of Mars, the atmosphere of Mars, and no one gives a shit because of the European Super League. It's an absolutely baffling day. Jose Mourinho got sacked, um, which apparently was unrelated. For people who don't know what the European Super League is, I'll sort of explain it. I mean, a lot of people on Twitter have been saying this is like, for this is such a straight person thing, and this is they've been comparing it to like this is how straight people must have felt when they heard out that ba- Bake Off was going to Channel Four. And to be honest. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, paint football straight normies in the best light. Seeing as uh, they're going to, what what are you going to call a league of all the best teams in Europe? The European Super League. I mean, that is as a starting off point. Can we quit with the dumbest fucking names for these things ever? What what makes it big? It's big teams like with this new sort of corporatization of football. We are in a country now where. The, the top league in the country is called the Premier League. The second best league is called the Championship. The third best uh, uh, league is called League One. Every single competition needs to sound like it's the biggest thing ever. How can you have three competitions called the Premier League, the Championship? Imagine winning the Championship and that means you're like the 21st best team in the country. And then League One, which means like the first league. And that's basically what's happening here with the European Super League. They're just constantly trying to have these sort of words. That, you know, I'm sure after the European Super League, they'll take the best four teams from that and break off and do it called like the European Ultra Super Big League. Basically, what the European Super League is, is all the top teams um, have had huge losses due to COVID. And they're such big teams now. In Europe, and there's so there's such money in football that basically uh, most people who actually own uh, clubs are now billionaires. Who it's just part of their pro, uh, portfolio of investments. They're not fans. They 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 use it as put my money into this and then grow profits. So this year, all of those people have lost money, and football's become a much less profitable thing. Fans haven't been allowed in. Uh, there's been breakages in uh, competitions. Like it's, there's loads of reasons why uh, a lot of these teams are in debt. 
And to counteract that, uh, this these plans have been in the uh, works for a while, to be fair, but this is sort of sped it up. They thought, why don't we all get together, uh, which they announced today, and start a European Super League where all the biggest clubs, um, I use biggest with that because some of it's quite spurious, uh, get together and they have this sort of ring fence league where they'll hopefully have 15 founding clubs. There's 12 at the moment, but there's three more they say they hope will join, which I think is PSG, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. Uh, but all the biggest clubs in Europe uh, get together and they, they become the founding teams who can't be relegated for the next 20 years, um, which is so against any sort of uh, view of any sort of sportsmanship or competition. It's actually quite baffling. And they basically play each other so... And the idea is... All the money that you get from those huge semi-finals in the Champions League of like Real Madrid versus Liverpool and stuff, you'll be having that every during the midweek constantly. Um, and they're pro they're probably pushing it to become like a boxing where it'll become pay-per-view and every single match will be an event. You know how boxing, it's this huge event, there's so much build-up and then you have to pay to watch boxing. They'll probably do that with this European Super League. But what it does is it stops other teams getting in uh, and shifts all of the money away from the lower teams and concentrates it in a very small elite group. Um, fascinating, the response, because I haven't heard anyone even make it a case for it because there's no people who we see advocating it. We just hear it's happening because the boardrooms of the, you know, Daniel Le Levy at uh, Tottenham, Stan Kroenke at Arsenal, all the kind of turbo cunts uh, in this country have got together and decided this. But there's no face. There's no PR for them. There's no uh, spokesperson who's come out and tried to even explain it. And everyone who's had an opinion today has unanimously hated it. You have all of the pundits on Sky Sports. You know, Sky, who probably would look to be making money out of this, or they all of the pundits are just actively going on and say this is the worst thing it's, they can remember happening to football. So unanimously hated across the board. Um, and I guess... I'm obviously quite upset about it as a football fan, but I feel maybe my position, I'm not going to be given the best analysis of the actual football. There's so many people uh, right now discussing the kind of ramifications of the European Super League and how much of a disaster it will be for grassroots football. Uh, but I guess what I think is potentially interesting is if we can use the energy I've seen, uh, the kind of how emotional people are feeling about how pissed off they are at the proposal of the European Super League, which, by the way, has been uh, FIFA, UEFA, all of the governments have all said this is a terrible idea. Uh, we will try and block it any way we can. They knew that going into it and they've still put it out, which is what's terrifying, is that these clubs and their owners know that the big governing bodies of football are fully against them and they don't care. Governments are against them and they don't care. Like, it's terrifying. Because, you know, FIFA is not exactly the best uh, governing body in the world, but to be worse than them and make FIFA the kind of on the good side is shows just how dark 
this European Super League thing is. I mean, there's a lot of things being thrown about and it'd be fascinating to see how this unfolds. I mean, FIFA are threatening any way for that any players that uh, play in the European Super League will not be able to play in the World Cup or anything. So it's going to probably be a war of attrition from both sides to see who caves first. But it's it's interesting to see how this people of care a lot about this because people love football and football's interesting people can talk about football for hours um and it's something that a lot of people in this country and all over the world but i certainly notice it very deeply in this country a lot of people they're kind of their lives are football they work hard during the week so they can go see the game on the weekend and that's how their community can frame itself around a football team and that's like sort of Football's not their entire life because there's lots of other parts of their life, but football's the kind of the way that they frame their reality and it's a super important thing for so many people in this country. And that's why when this happens, you can see how we're all talking so openly and emotionally about how we're feeling about it. But I guess that's because football's interesting. But in this country, what's basically happened with the European Super League is happening in every aspect of our lives. It's just too boring to discuss on a mass scale. Like this is happening in healthcare. This is happening in rail and transport. Uh, all of these things where it, the, gov- the power's been shifted away bit by bit, pretty much since Thatcher, away from any regulatory body, away from governments, away from unions, away from people, towards private companies global private companies who are completely unaccountable it's happened in tech but all of these things they're too boring to talk about because who gives a fuck who who we're not gonna have this huge debate about you know the uh privatization of rail even though we get pissed off that the you know it costs fucking 40 quid to on an hour's journey on the train we're not gonna have these sort of debates i'm not gonna come on here and talk about train prices even though they're important. But I think they're all linked to the same thing. So I, I guess trying to view the... Get the sort of cynicism and pessimism and turn it into a potential that this could be a turning point if done correctly. Um, because this is the perfect time for collective action in the face of private tyranny. Because this is building into my biggest fears for this country. And I've said this on the podcast a lot, which is like, though I consider myself very left-wing, progressive in many ways, I've always pulled back at like super anti-nationalist sentiment when the left is constantly going on about how awful this country is. When I, It's not the way I see this country, and I don't think it's also tactically the best way to view this country. I think we should put forward a better idea of what this country is. And I guess my fear, and has been, and why I support protecting a certain way of life and an authenticity when I can see it in this country is I'm terrified of Britain becoming a non-place which is a term by a French I forgot what his name was this French philosopher um, turned this thing called which happens in capitalism non-places car parks shopping malls motorways basically these places appear around the world that could be anywhere like I was in South Africa a couple of years ago and I was in a shopping mall and all the brands were global. It was the same design as a shopping mall anywhere. And I could have been anywhere. You know, there's no... It doesn't place you anywhere. If you walk down the streets of central Paris, you see the Eiffel Tower. You see these things. You see the cafes and the, the cuisine, the culture. You know where you are. 
that's a place. But more and more we're seeing these places that don't really exist as actual places. And that's my defining fear when we get rid of like, when we think, oh, British, any sort of form of like pride in Britain is so bad. And if we don't replace it with anything, this whole country will become a motorway. This whole country will be a shopping mall. And that's exactly what's happening with these clubs. One of the great things still left in this country is the football teams and the immense history. If you go to Anfield, Old Trafford, Arsenal, of course, there's an immense amount of history of the oldest football clubs in the world uh, with built on a working class fan base uh, who, you know, work hard all week so they can go to the weekend games, spend money on it. And that creates community around it and a history and it's a, a way of life. This sort of European Super League with these sort of owners, most of whom seem to be American or foreign owners who have no connection whatsoever to any of these communities or teams seem to turn something that's authentic and interesting about where we live. And this is not just Britain, obviously. It's all over Europe. It's the Italian teams, it's the Spanish teams. And they're trying to turn it into this sort of non-place. Because the European Super League would be a shopping mall. It would be a motorway. It would take... It would use the branding of 150 years of history of the top clubs of Liverpool. They would use that as a stepping stone to destroy any sort of depth you know, to, to remove any meaning. And I think it's just trying to bypass, so eventually moving to the point where it has to, it can bypass the people and the tradition, the fans, you know. To us, fans of football, it is important that when you go to Anfield or any other stadium like that, that the, peop- the main majority of people there grew up in the area, support the community, and because it, it has an authenticity, it's a real thing that matters more than money. If you're a profiteering business owner and you see that, you know, the population of Liverpool must be 600,000, 700,000, the fan base of Liverpool will be, I don't know, 10 times that maybe. It'll be many more times that. There's fans everywhere. If you go to anywhere in Africa, they all support one of the big four or five teams in the UK. So trying to bypass the traditional fan base because you don't need it anymore. And I wonder if it will reach that stage where they'll try and bypass fans and they'll just have pay-per-view events and they'll use the kind of hundreds of millions global fan base to the point where it's meaningless where Arsenal came from. It's meaningless where Liverpool came from. These things are irrelevant. They're just these global entities that have no place or community. And I, and I guess that's what made me feel so kind of upset as well as obviously being a football fan and not wanting to see the fucking death of such a great sport but it's so almost predictable that this is going to happen in every walk of life but this feels like a fight that can be won where healthcare when that comes around it'll be a slow death that none of us will realize till it's too late at least with this the outrage i don't think the european super league is going to happen I just don't think it will happen because the fans hate it, the pundits hate it. I think they're going to use it as a bargaining tool to show where the power's shifted so that they can make the Champions League 32 teams, or 64, whatever it is, to make it bigger so that uh, they can make more money out of it. But what can happen from this, and which I hope does happen, is if it does go ahead, if we can realise our own collective power 
and not go to any of the games, boycott all the games that happen for the European Super League, don't watch any of the games on TV or pay-per-view, you know, stop, try and use some sort of organised power against these owners who seem to run football now. Because it is the case that as much as it, we're told constantly that the power is fully in the owner's hands, it, it's not. It's just trying to organise the mass of people who care about it most to being effective. I think sometimes the way we talk about how it's all powers concentrated in this small amount of elites is very true, but sometimes that narrative is debilitating because it sort of encourages us to believe that it's hopeless. If there's no one watches it and they stop making money from it and you stop giving money to the club, it will stop becoming profitable and they'll have to stop doing it. You know, we, there is a power if we can organise effectively. And maybe if we can achieve that, which I think football's such a already organised collective thing, it's going to be one of the easiest things to organise. You're, you're 60,000 people meeting in the same place every weekend. It's probably quite an easy place to effectively organise strikes and boycotts and stuff like that. And if we can show that it isn't hopeless and, you know, 15 people in the boardroom can't decide the future of a, the biggest sport in the world. Maybe it can inspire us to apply that to other parts of life in this country and defend more of the things that are kind of being slowly eroded. Literally a week ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I was watching PSG versus Bayern and it was a great game. And I thought, well, at least there's fucking football, you know? Or when I'm watching Premier League every weekend, I'm like, at least there's football. You know, that still gives me a thrill. That still feels, no matter how much it, that people have tried to take it, there still feels to be an authenticity. And a. And then this news happening, just reminding that even that can be taken away, is really demeaning. And I just think there needs to be a discussion about... I think this is also a good way of understanding, you know, this is what happened. <clears throat> this is a... The debates that are happening around this and the realisations people are having about what matters is having more mature discussions about things meaning more than money. Because football's a great example of that, which is you can be the most profitable club in the world, but if you don't have a fans or a history, it doesn't really mean anything. And you can be a broke club with who's gone into administration, but have great fans, a community around it, and it means something. And it's just a great example of trying to, you know, money is very important and you can't neglect that. But trying to maybe in encourage people to realise there's things that mean so much more. I guess all I, the reason I want to make this video is to try and get my thoughts out. But the main thing is, can, can this be used as a potentially positive thing? Just seeing how across the board, everyone who you speak to hates this idea. And we feel so fucking helpless because some pricks, and that, they're, they're American owners. They probably own more of the club than anyone in the world, but would describe it like Tottenham as Tuddingham. Tuddingham, Tuddingham Hotspurs. You know? If we all hate this idea, can we come together for something that means more than money? And if we can do that, can we apply that to everything else that's been taken from us?
Yeah, I guess that's the main thing I wanted to say. If you want more interesting football analysis, there's many people who are far more astute on that thing. But I wonder if we can prove to ourselves that we can organise effectively to stop something that's clearly wrong, to fight for the meaning of football, not the money, can we apply that logic to other things? You know, is, uh, uh, the, is health nationally more important than making profit out of health? Is uh, the ease of people being able to travel affordably more important than the companies making profit? Can we organise to achieve those things? I don't know. Uh, that's my thoughts right now. Uh, please comment below what you guys think. Um, and let's, I hope that this disgrace doesn't happen. But anyway, I'll see you guys for a normal episode. Friday, 9.30 a.m.